just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Uh, McCarthy will be back on Wednesday, but we're joined by another Chris. Uh, Chris Dempsey, candidate for state auditor on the De- in the Democratic primary. Chris, how you doing? Marcus, I'm doing great. It's great to be talking with you again. Absolutely. So um, before we get started, if you want to just you know introduce yourself to the audience again and um, tell them why you're running for auditor. So Marcus, I'm Chris Dempsey. I'm running to be the next auditor of the Commonwealth. I'm on your ballot on September 6th in the Democratic primary. Many people have already voted by mail, and others will vote early starting on Saturday. I'm running because I'm the son of public school teachers, and I saw my parents over the course of their career digging into their own pockets to pay for school supplies for their students, as we know public school teachers do across the Commonwealth. And when that happens, it's a failure of Beacon Hill, and it's a result of us not making sure that those resources are flowing to the places that have the greatest impact in Massachusetts, public education, public health, public transportation. I've served inside a state government as assistant secretary of transportation for Governor Deval Patrick. I've also worked outside of government to stand up to protect taxpayers, and I hope we can talk more about that work. I'm endorsed by incumbent state auditor Suzanne Bump, who's the first woman to ever hold this office and the person who knows the job the best, and honored to have the support of many on the South Coast here. We were down all day today talking with folks. We were at Senator Rodriguez's event that he had in Westport tonight. We've got great momentum on this campaign with two weeks to go, and I'm really glad to be able to talk with you and your listeners tonight. One of the things I don't like about this evening's show is not being able to go to those events, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're speaking with uh, candidate for state auditor Chris Dempsey. So you recently got the endorsement, actually, of the Boston Globe. Um, what did that mean for your campaign? So this is a role where independence is very important and fact-finding and following the data is very important. And I think it's crucial that we earn that endorsement because it's not an endorsement from an elected official or a politician, although I certainly value the elected officials that have endorsed me in this race. This is an endorsement from the Boston Globe, which has that same mission of following the facts and the data and being independent. They said that I'm the right fit for this job, that I have the right experience, that they're excited about the vision and plans that we've put forward for an office that I admit is a little bit sleepy sometimes. You know, it's not always on the top of people's radar screens. A lot of people don't know what the auditor's office does. But it has immense potential to make our state government work better for everybody. That's why I'm running for this role. Again, I'm proud to have the Boston Globe support. So um, you were Assistant Secretary of Transportation under Deval Patrick. Uh, The MBTA um, has had some issues as of late. And I was wondering, as state auditor, um, how will you um, be... Uh, address um, the inefficiencies to make sure that the MBTA runs better? Marcus, this is an issue that is very personal to me. My wife, Anna, commutes by MBTA, and I will be the first statewide elected official to commute to Beacon Hill on public transit since Mike Dukakis left office in 1991. It's been over 30 years. But this is the first time in my life where I've genuinely questioned my safety getting on an MBTA vehicle. We've seen stories of crashes and derailments, and most recently the Orange Line train, which caught on fire on that bridge, forcing one rider to jump out of the train and then jump off of the bridge into the Mystic River. Completely unacceptable for that to be someone's commuting experience. I mean, that goes without saying. 
um, that that's the case. So I will be an MBTA rider, and I'm going to bring that experience to this office. But we're also going to bring facts and data, and we're going to have proper oversight of the T. So we've put out a four-point plan. The fourth point is I'm going to ride myself, but let me cover the first three. The first is that we're going to follow the recommendations of the Federal Transit Administration and make sure that the MBTA is actually implementing those recommendations. They are the experts on transit safety. The second is that we're going to oversee the Department of Public Utilities, which actually has responsibility for assessing safety at the MBTA and which has not done that job properly in recent years. And then the third point is that I'm going to make a special request to the legislature for a $2 million budget line item to hire a special team that I will call the Auditor's Office for MBTA Accountability. And we're going to hire experts on transit operations, on engineering, on uh, safety procurements and policies. And we will make sure that the MBTA is safe and that every single dollar that we all contribute as state taxpayers to the MBTA is spent well. I'm so excited to have the MBTA arriving in the South Coast in the coming years. That's been a hard-fought battle. The South Coast deserves that kind of access. But you want to make sure that when that access occurs, that it's safe and that it's affordable. We don't have that today. And as state auditor, I can help fix that. We're speaking with Chris Dempsey, candidate for state auditor. Um, You've talked about, uh, you know, New Bedford also has a $65 million ARPA um, allotment, and the state has had uh, something like 5 to $7 billion total uh, in ARPA allotments. You've talked about a plan to make sure those uh, that money is spent efficiently as auditor. Can you talk about that a little bit? So that was the very first policy plan that we put out, and I'm proud that we've been leading on policy in this campaign. The first three papers that we put out, policy plans we put out, came out before any of our opponents had put out any plans at all. So on the ARPA spending, we've got $5.3 billion to spend over the next three, four years. And we want to make sure that those dollars are spent well. They're a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to build a more fair and equitable and effective Commonwealth. We're going to track those dollars in as close to real time as we possibly can. Because most state agencies and programs are budgeted on an annual basis. And so you can go in as auditor at the end of the year, you can figure out what didn't work, and you can fix it for the year ahead. We can't do that with $5.3 billion in stimulus. We don't want to spend all the money, then audit it, and then realize we didn't spend the money that well. You can only right. spend a dollar once. So we're going to track it in real time. We're also going to adopt many of the recommendations of what's called the Racial Equity Scorecard, which was developed by the NAACP, the Black Economic Council of Massachusetts, the Mass Public Health Association, and other organizations to develop a set of metrics that will allow us to ensure that those dollars are being spent fairly and equitably across the Commonwealth and that they're being used to try to reduce some of the persistent racial gaps that we see across Massachusetts that were exposed to everybody in COVID and which need to be addressed by active government and state government. Touch a little bit about um, trying to make sure the South Coast Rail is safe. You know, we've got a big vote on the MBTA uh, district coming up uh, in November. What um, other plans do you have uh, for the region as auditor? So a lot of it is about economic development and making sure that the dollars that go up to Beacon Hill come back to the South Coast. We know that doesn't happen enough today, whether it's the South Coast, whether it's Western Massachusetts. When you get outside of that 128 or 495 belt, I hear over and over and over again that people feel like they're not being heard and listened to in government. And that's why it's been a priority for me to be down here and to earn the support of so many elected officials on the South Coast. And very again, very proud to have the support of State Rep. Carol Fiola, State Rep. Pat Haddad, 
uh, former Fall River Mayor Ed Lambert, many others uh, across the region. Um, We can't let those dollars get lost in the bureaucracy, just in the same way that they got lost in the bureaucracy, leading to my parents having to dig into their own pockets for school supplies for their students. So whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in education, whether it's in parks and recreation or the environment, uh, the Department of Children and Families, issue after issue in state government, agency after agency that my office will oversee, let's make sure that those systems and programs are running effectively and the dollars are really going to the places of greatest need. We're speaking with a candidate for auditor, Chris Dempsey. So, um, you know, the state auditor has, because of this race and how much attention is being drawn to it because of your candidacy, but also because of the, uh, it's the state auditor's office has gotten more attention because of this new, not new, but revelation of a 1986 law um, that, that uh, would basically ensure that uh, a surplus if uh, would be returned to the people of the Commonwealth if the auditor certifies it by September 24th or, yeah, by September 24th. What's your position on the, um, on the uh, applicability of that law? Do you think that the taxpayers of the Commonwealth should get that refund come September 24th? Do you think Auditor Bump should certify um, the right numbers to get that refund to the yeah. people? Look, absolutely. And this is why we need an auditor that has actual training in finance and accounting. I am the only candidate in this race with a degree that is relevant to the job of auditing. I hold an MBA and I've worked in uh, financial management and consulting before. So the job of auditor in this, this is called chapter 62F. This is the 1980 law, 80s law that you mentioned, um, requires the auditor to basically perform a calculation. It's not a political job. This is not about what my opinion might be. It's about, can I do the calculation with my team and verify these numbers? We expect that those numbers will show, we don't know this yet, but we expect the numbers will show that the Commonwealth has taken in more tax revenue above what this cap is, and that those dollars will then be returned to taxpayers. That's the law, that's what should happen. Now, that being said, I think it shows that the legislature failed to more properly address where those dollars could be used and how they could be best returned to taxpayers. There was all this talk people may remember about um, payments that were going to come back to families and to individual taxpayers, that never happened. That bill never passed, ultimately never got signed by the governor because of the concerns about this law from the 1980s. The legislature got caught off guard there. My opponent is a member of the legislature um, and now claims that she would have caught it as auditor, but didn't find it when she was a legislature when that's the job of the legislature to find that and to know what the laws are. So again, it's a place where there's a real contrast in this race and my role as auditor will be to crunch the numbers and report back not to take a political position on it. Your opponent also said that um, she would audit the legislature and that there's legal authority to do so. What's your opinion on that? Well, neither of us are lawyers, uh, and my opponent has not put together any legal brief that shows that that power exists. What I will do is on day one of the job, uh, when we bring in a new general counsel to provide my legal counsel in this job, I'm going to ask him or her to clarify where the line of accountability and the line of uh, power or authority is. If that authority exists, then gladly I will audit the legislature. But we do have a constitution that defines three separate branches of government. This is not a new concept. This has been around for about 250 years now. And it says that the legislature and the executive branch and the judicial are separate. And I'm not running for auditor to spark a constitutional crisis. I'm running for auditor to make our state agencies work better It's already an enormously strong platform to 
have those agencies serving the people of Massachusetts and then make sure that every single tax dollar, dollar is spent well. That's why I'm running for this role. And I'm excited about the clearly defined opportunity there, not about tilting at windmills and going after things that don't seem like they're legally legally accurate. Other than uh, so, other than the MBTA, what other agencies do you think are in most need of an audit? There's a lot that we need to do. I mean, we know we're facing serious issues in housing, for example. We know that we're still facing challenges in public health. But let me highlight a particular agency that's been a focus of mine on this campaign. So over the course of over 250 public meetings that I attended as part of the Democratic primary process, I heard time and time again that people have concerns about the Massachusetts State Police and not having proper oversight of the state police that people have great respect for our troopers, and I certainly do. Over the course of this campaign, I have met two people who lost close loved ones in the line of duty as state troopers. They gave the ultimate sacrifice, but even those family members have told me that they believe that the agency as a whole needs more oversight and reform. And so we put out a 15-point plan. I encourage people to read it on our website at DempseyForAuditor.com. Done in conjunction with former state troopers, and with former Secretary of Public Safety, Kevin Burke, where we went into the details of what we think needs to be looked at at that agency. Everything from hiring to training to promotions to evidence handling to looking at racial profiling and stops and ticketing. We know that there's a series of issues there, and I want to dig in working in partnership with the state police, but make sure that we're addressing those so that we can restore faith and trust between the state police agency and taxpayers and residents. And I believe that when we do that, we will truly be honoring the service of those state police troopers and everyone that works for the state police. I hold them in the highest regard, but we need to have an agency that is more accountable and has more trust. 508-996-0500. We're going to take a break now uh, and we'll be right back with Chris Dempsey, candidate for state auditor. WBS. McCarthy will be back on Wednesday, but we're joined by Chris Dempsey. So, uh, so Chris, uh, candidate for state auditor. So, Chris, um, you know, uh, it's been really hot here lately. Uh, the climate crisis has, um, we're really starting to feel the effects of it now in a way that we haven't before. How as auditor um, can you help combat the climate crisis here in the Commonwealth? Yeah. So, Marcus, this job is about accountability, and we need accountability not just when it comes to numbers and finance and money, but also accountability when it comes to the laws that we have on the books that require our state agencies to be reducing emissions. So I'm going to make the Office of State Auditor the first in the country to incorporate carbon accounting into our audits of state agencies. And that will force them to grapple with the fact that they need to be making changes. When we do that, it's going to benefit everybody uh, in Massachusetts and frankly around the the world when we do that, because we will be a national leader. But when we do that, we also have to make sure that we don't leave anybody behind. And too often our climate policies do that. And so I'm going to create an auditor's commission on environmental justice, which is going to bring together people from across the Commonwealth who are on the front lines of the climate crisis, including folks in Fall Fall River and New Bedford, and really across the South Coast, who live in coastal communities that are impacted by rising sea levels or increased weather events. Um, Could be fishermen who's... um, Fishing stock is changing because of the climate crisis, right? Um, All those people are on the front lines of the crisis. And we want to give them a voice and a seat on Beacon Hill 
so that when we are making state policy decisions, those voices are heard and we're not just concerned with the global problem. I'm excited about that work. It's really important to me. And I think it will be new in state government, but something that will be copied around the country. We're speaking with candidate for state auditor, uh, Chris Dempsey. So um, this this is a, I mean, it seems like a tight race and it seems like uh, a very heavily endorsed race um, on both sides of the, uh, on both sides of the, uh, the, the, the primary. Um, what are the, some of the endorsements that you think separate you from, from your opponent? Well, I'm proud of endorsements that we've earned across the Commonwealth. And let me talk in particular about the legislature here. So um, I've been endorsed by 25 women legislators, uh, including six women in the Senate and also the Senate president, Karen Spilka. Um, the people who have been, the women especially, who have been on Beacon Hill doing the hard work of legislating for decades and decades are supporting me in this race, not my opponent, despite my opponent being their colleague. I think that says something about um, the choice that people have in this race. In addition to folks on Beacon Hill, I'm so proud to be supported and endorsed by mayors and former mayors. I think I mentioned former Fall River Mayor Ed Lambert supporting my candidacy. Um, We have the support of Mayor Wu in Boston, who's a dynamic young leader. Um, And I'm the only candidate with a competitive primary that she has decided to endorse in this campaign. I'm also just especially proud of endorsements from local leaders who are city councilors or um, who are uh, members of town meeting across communities um, who are backing me in this race because I'm the only candidate in this race with experience working at the local level. I've served as a town meeting member for the last decade. um, And I think that that local government is extremely important. Um, In addition, we talked about the Boston Globe endorsing my campaign as an independent voice in this race. So, The most important endorsement of all, though, Marcus, um, is from the voters themselves. And it's why I'm here today to ask people for their vote. I ask them to consider my candidacy to visit our website at DempseyForAuditor.com to learn more about the real choice in this race. And we feel confident that when voters do that, they're going to be on our side and that we're going to win on September 6th. Chris Dempsey, candidate for state auditor, I thank you for joining me uh, this evening and I look forward to talking with you in the future. Marcus, thanks so much for having me back on the show and looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Listen to us live. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Uh, Chris will be back on Wednesday. That was candidate for auditor uh, Chris Dempsey. He was, I'd I'd spoken to him before um, about a year ago on my old show about uh, transportation for Massachusetts and a lot of the work he was doing with that that's a that was an advocacy group for transportation reform in massachusetts and you know him speaking um well about south coast rail i agree with him it's it's something that the region's been working on for a long time and that we need to that we need to get across the finish line so vote yes in this referendum please but i actually so i got this so i got this um i got this email 
in my inbox uh, from, so I want to talk about a lot of things, right? So there's the MBTA district, uh, there's the recent um, animosity in the Bristol County Sheriff's race uh, between Nick Bernier and George McNeil and Mayor Paul Haru in that race. I want to talk about that because I thought a lot of what they said was really interesting, um, each of them. And so we will talk about that. And But I got this inbox from Shannon McMahon, candidate for district attorney. Now, she's running in the primary against... She's running in the primary against Tom Quinn, uh, current DA Tom Quinn. And um, she she used to work for him. So now I went to law school with Shannon. Uh, I've known when I remember what I remember for her from law school and, and just to, how I know her now is to be a really, you know, um, Intelligent and, and smart person and, 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 and nice person. And, but I knew when she ran, this issue was going to come up that she worked for DA Quinn and DA Quinn and, and stopped working for DA Quinn was, was essentially fired for, for, by DA Quinn because of a domestic alterca- altercation that she got in with her husband back in 2016. I remember hearing about her candidacy and saying, well, this is going to come up. So, and, you know, of course it did almost immediately. Now, she sent a press release in response to Lawyers Weekly, a Lawyers Weekly article that I haven't read um, that I'm going to have to read, but I guess it's probably talking about her. And it, apparently, just by the 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 spirit of this letter, it's it's talking about her domestic um, dispute charge. Now that was moved to Wareham District Court, and it was and it was um, it was dismissed in 2016 or 2017. That case was dismissed in 2016 or 2017, right? Um, so she sent a letter inbox, and assuming it's for members of the media because I got it. Um, so I want to read the letter, and you know, I know it's not always great radio to read a letter word for word um, on the air or read a, a transcript word for word on the air. But this is something that's been talked about a lot in this race. I think she wants to set the record straight on it, and this is a this is a statement actually from her husband. Attempting to set, set the record straight on it. Now, I don't think it's ever a good idea to draw more media attention to something that reflects on you poorly. I haven't seen this Lawyers Weekly column. Now I'm going to read it. Now you might read it because I talked about it. But she wants us to talk about it. And she wants this because she sent this response. It's kind of the same thing with the Haru mailer. I hadn't read, I mean, I ended up getting it. I ended up getting the, the mailer the following day. But I hadn't, at the point when I was told about the mailer, I hadn't read about the mailer. Or I hadn't read the mailer. I hadn't received the mailer. And letting me know about it just draws my attention to it. 
and then draws whoever's listening to this program's attention to it and draws whoever's on WBSM's WBSM.com's attention to it. It puts more eyes on the thing that you don't like. I don't think it's a sound campaign strategy. So anyway, Shannon McMahon sends this letter. It's from her. It's from her husband. Um, I think they're trying to explain this event. Uh, so we did the story. We you know we ran the story months ago uh, on this and her explanation. But uh, basically, this is what he says. This is what he says. Um. Although the matter of Shannon's 2016 arrest is deeply personal, a deeply personal family matter, which we hoped would not become the center of Tom Quinn's campaign, hoping instead that he would focus on character. Therefore, at the expense of uh, Mr. Quinn, uh, she, oh, sorry, hoping instead that he would focus on the issues, as Shannon has clearly, uh, as Shannon has. Okay, sorry. Let me start that from the beginning. Sorry, it's hard. It's hard for me to read this letter. It's. To be honest with you, I don't think it's all that great uh, punctuation, but it's hard for me to read this letter. Okay. Although the matter of Shannon's 2016 arrest is a deeply personal family matter, which we had hoped would not become the center of Tom Quinn's campaign, hoping instead that he would focus on the issues as Shannon has, clearly we overstated Mr. Quinn's character. Therefore, at the expense of mine and my family's privacy, I am compelled to set the record straight in the interest of fairness and transparency. The facts are these. In November of 2014, I was diagnosed with a, I can't pronounce that, I'm sorry. An aggressive form of brain cancer, which manifested in the form of a large tumor located in my front, uh, left frontal lobe, the area of the brain responsible for impulse control. Over the next 24 months, I under, underwent a very invasive brain surgery and was placed on the anti-seizure medicine, uh, Keppra. Keppra, for who, the, who those don't know, caused, uh, is known to cause a phenomenon called Keppra rage. On the evening of November 22nd, 2016, Shane and I went out to dinner. We both enjoyed two glasses of wine with our meals. Later on at home that evening, I experienced an episode of Kepper rage, ostensibly brought on by the wine. As a result, I am ashamed to say I did beat my wife Shannon badly. Yikes. Uh, such that she was brought into the ambulance at the local hospital emergency room. I have, with the permission of my attorney, of attorney Shannon McMahon, my wife, enclosed the medical records herein as proof. Tom Quinn has hinged his re-election campaign on stating that Shannon is running for uh, running a revenge campaign. While nothing is further from the truth, it would make sense that he would perceive her to having the audacity to challenge him in that way. Here's why. Fact number one, Shannon was arrested by the Swansea police for refusing to cooperate uh, with them at the scene of the altercation. Fact number two, Shannon was charged by Tom Quinn for refusing to cooperate with his investigation. Fact number three, Shannon refused to cooperate because she knew what happened, as heinous as it was, was not my true personality and was a result of my traumatic brain injury and capillaries. Fact number four, Tom Quinn knew the extent of Shannon's injuries as 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 he and his ADA saw her medical records. Fact number five, Tom Quinn illegally dismissed Shannon from her position while maintaining the employee of a, a documented blatant racist. I don't know who that, I, I got to tell you, I worked for the, I worked with the DA's office for, for, for a few years, you know, as a, as, as an attorney, do not know who they're referring to there. 
But uh, fact number five, Shannon's case was moved to Wareham District Court, where it was immediately dismissed. Fact number six, at a recent debate, Tom Quinn blatantly lied on camera when he stated that Shannon did not seek medical attention the night of the incident. He knew that was a lie. He stated it. He stated it straight faced. Fact number seven, instead of campaigning on the issues, Tom Quinn has sunk lower than anyone imagined possible by using his horrible family matter to his benefit and distorting the facts to boot. And most importantly, Fact number eight, Tom Quinn re-victimized my wife, a victim of domestic violence, by taking a punitive action against her for refusing to assist him as prosecution of the matter. I submit to you this entire alleged, quote-unquote, revenge matter is more about Tom Quinn's lack of character than it is about Shannon's reason for running. I sincerely hope that you will publish my statement and thereby correct the record. Sincerely, Brian Denderdale. So, um, I published it, I guess, on this show. Uh, those are some pretty strong accusations um, and uh, an explanation from her husband about the incident. So uh, here's, <laughs> again, I got, I got to say, I sympathize, obviously, with, with Shannon and what she went through. It's, it's, it's terrible. And, you know, her husband corroborates that it was a really unfortunate situation due to his brain cancer. You know, it's all in all terrible situation. Um don't know if it was tactically the smart move to again make people more aware of it than they were than they were previously as far as tom campaigning uh only on this i I mean here's the thing tom has run ads i mean i've heard ads did it just yeah after the most recent commercial break tom quinn just ran an uh, ad about his solve rates for da there's an ad about untested uh about um, getting a grant to uh, to reopen cases for untested rape kits. There's a another one for um, you know starting his elder fraud and abuse unit and helping seniors. So, I mean, I think issues wise, I don't think it's a fair characterization to say that Tom Quinn has only campaigned on the issue of Shannon's previous um, altercation with her husband. However, it is something that he's definitely brought up. Um, I mean, almost immediately uh, after her 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 candidacy. So, um, I guess she wanted to set the record straight on it, and she wanted her husband's um, statement on it. And so, there it is. You probably heard it here first. You probably heard it here first because uh, I'm the only one working right now. <laughs> so um, that's that. That's what happened. Um, I haven't seen the Lawyers Weekly article. And again, I, I'll have to read it now and you might read it now that you've, that you've heard what I said and what I've read over the air, which is again is why I don't think it's tactically the right thing to do. Um, but she wanted to set the record straight. He wanted to second set the record straight. Again, I sympathize with, with that, um, with what they went through. Uh, it's just you know, I think there was a couple. I think there was probably a couple things in there that probably weren't f- uh, fair accusations of Tom campaign. Like he's only run on this again. I've talked about the things that he's he's run on their their ads on our show. You probably hear one after I click this button, which I'm going to uh, actually right now. But if you got any opinions on this, uh, give me a call at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. That's how you can get on. I guess Chris will be back Wednesday, but we're taking your calls at 508-996-0500. If you didn't catch uh, what just happened, I got I had just gotten some breaking news. I had gotten, uh, I like literally on air, got a 
got an inbox from uh, DA candidate Shannon McMahon. She's running against Tom Quinn in the primary for Bristol County Sheriff, and she's responding to a Mass Lawyers article, a Mass Lawyers Weekly article that I hadn't read yet until she sent me the... I haven't still haven't read it, but I'm looking at the headline now, and it says, Incumbent Bristol DA, quote, race was motivated by desire for revenge. Now, this is because Tom Quinn had uh, fired Shannon McMahon, and this was due to an um, a, a domestic incident uh, that occurred in 2016, which was dismissed at the Wareham District Court. Um, but it says, but Challenger, in, in smaller print, it says, but Challenger calls job a lifelong dream. So... Uh, and then the searching for the state's ugliest district attorney race. Look no forward to Bristol County, where the challenge involves two former colleagues who worked under DA Sam Sutter until Sutter want to recall. That's that's all blah blah blah. But um, but I guess it's just the apparently. I mean, I haven't. I can't wait. I can't even read this unless. I'm sorry. I can't even read this unless I'm a subscriber. Oh my god. Sorry, I can't. <laughs> Guys, listen, if you ever run for office and you, you have an article that's unfavorable to you in a publication that really not a lot of your constituents are going to read, it's not advisable to then send that to members of the media. I can't even read the rest of the column. It's a subscriber-only column. I can't even read it. But now it's talked about, now her domestic incident is talked about, and again, in a light more favorable, and she felt more favorable to her story. And it seems like the only issue is the, is the, is the title I can't know because I I can't read it. I'm not a subscriber to this to this publication. <sighs> Man. Again, I'm going to have to say it again. It's not it's not advisable to make members of the media aware of things that are bad for your campaign. Things that you don't like people seeing like a mailer that compares your opponent favorably to you or a title of a column about a personal personal struggle that you've had that um, your opponent's trying to use against you. I don't think it's favorable to just send that out there. I think people read that stuff and you get on the defensive. I've worked on campaigns before. When you get negative stuff like that or stuff that even you think is negative, you just you just kind of keep on going. You just you just keep on keeping on. You just stay on message. I mean, really when you look at the when you look at the when you look at the 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 interviews I had with Haru and, and Bernier Bernier started to attack him personally, started to attack his personal life. Um, and, you know, he's for for reasons that he has offended by the mailer. But what did Haru do? He stayed on message. He just stayed on message. He didn't engage in that. He just kept saying, this is why I'm the best candidate. This is what. And he even took the opportunity to talk about his platform. 
I think that behooves you more. I think talking about why you're running, right, and staying on message saying, I'm running because of these reasons, right, is better than engaging in the negatives that your opponent wants you to engage in. You know, I haven't heard Tom Quinn, other than in the debate, respond to any personal attacks or attacks of policy that Shannon has made uh, against him. He's been staying on message. His message is, I've done this, I've done this, I've earned your vote. I hope I've earned your vote, right? Again, I sympathize for what you went through. It's It's horrible. But, huh. Oh, sorry, I'm hearing the scanner. <laughs> I thought someone, that's, there was someone new here. I'm just hearing the scanner. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it behooves you. I don't think it behooves you to um, to do that. But that's the message that he gave. She, you know, the the her husband accused Tom Quinn of making this the central issue of his campaign, said that he illegally fired her. What's what's interesting is if she if she was illegally fired, um, was there a lawsuit? I'd like to know. I think that's a good question. If she was illegally fired, was there a lawsuit filed for wrongful termination against against D.A. Quinn? feels like there should be, right? If it was illegal, if it was a wrongful termination, then she could have, she could have. I mean, he's a government, it's a government actor, it's a government agency, but they, you could still do that. I don't know. 508-996-0500 is hanging in the program. I, I got to tell you, it's, you know, it's, um... I think in terms of the messaging, I think McMahon, I think uh, Quinn has done, a, frankly, a, a better job than McMahon on messaging because this, this just draws attention to what he wanted attention to be drawn to, you know, this very unfortunate situation. Uh, that happened with with her and her husband and his his illness. You know, I've I've had I've had uh, I've had a couple of family members in the last year uh, pass from cancer. I know it's a horrible, horrible thing that affects you in ways that are indescribably awful. Um, but do I think that letter helped the optics of the situation? No, I think it's you know we had the story in WBSM.com months ago. She had already responded to it. It was already over. But now it's getting new life because it's being sent out to members of the media. Um, so I don't know. So uh, things are getting chippy in the last two weeks here. Primary September sixth. Early voting starts August twenty seventh on Saturday. August twenty seventh. Early early voting starts. You can go to your polling place, and things are getting really chippy. Got people talking about each other's marital statuses. You know, did sheriff candidates saying. You know, why is he so single? You know, why is he so single? You know, if he's such a good mayor, why is he single? <laughs> I don't know. You know, or, 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 and now we've got, you know, we've got people saying, oh, well, I was wrongfully terminated for my job. That's, that's a serious, that's a serious accusation. 
508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Uh, we're coming up on the end of the 9 o'clock, I mean the 8 o'clock hour. The 9 o'clock hour is coming up, and we will be taking your calls and taking your app chat messages here on 1420 WBSM. Stay tuned.